I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, their songwriting techniques, and occasionally getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. Welcome to episode 195. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Ruby Gill. South African-born, Australian-based singer and songwriter recently released her gorgeous debut record, entitled I'm Gonna Die With This Frown On My Face. In today's episode, we're speaking with Ruby about how this brilliant record came to be, her songwriting craft, and her love of Missy Higgins. Here we go. Our guest today is a brilliant singer and songwriter based in Nam, Melbourne. Having moved to Australia from Johannesburg six years ago to pursue music, she's already built a steady following of fans with her insightful lyrics and witty observations. Um, please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Ruby Gill. Hello, how are we? Hi, Simon. I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Uh, where are you joining us from today? Uh, this is my lounge room in... Brunswick on Wurundjeri country. Beautiful. I'm I'm actually just admiring that uh, lovely bookcase of yours behind you. There seems to be quite a uh, quite a decent amount of books up there. There are. I keep uh, trying to find more because it annoys me that not all the rows are finished. It just really <laughs> it makes me angry. But uh, that bookcase, uh, I have had to move around this house about once a week because I can't figure out where it's supposed to go. You know, like in in the space, but um, I think I've figured it out. I think that's where it it's meant to live. So thank you for validating that. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Are you someone who I know? I have some friends who like to organize their books by color. Some will do it by title. Some will do it by author. Some just do it on um, what's the word? Like the chronology of when they they bought the books or oh, they came yeah. into their lives. What's the way, is there any organisation to the to the bookshelf? That is a good one. But, uh, yeah, mine's probably half by colour um, and then also by which ones I want to take out most often. So I just make sure that there's like a poetry section or whatever and <laughs> I can access it easily. That's a, I think that's always a good one as well. The um, Not necessarily classics defined by the store or by the library, but your own classics, the the go-tos, if you will. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> um, Ruby, we are here today talking about your brilliant debut record, I'm Gonna Die With This Frown On My Face. Um, firstly, congratulations. The record has been out for a, a little while now, but it is 
Absolutely stunning. So, uh, yeah, firstly, congratulations on this. Thanks, Simon. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think it's been about three weeks or so now, which is um, not that long, but feels long enough that I kind of keep forgetting that it's happened. So it's nice when <laughs> whenever people remind me that it's out and that, you know, they've listened and connected, then I feel really grateful for that. So that's nice. Well, I don't think that I'm alone in the way that I feel about this record from all accounts that I've kind of seen. This seems to be winning hearts or breaking hearts, winning hearts, (laughs) both maybe across the world. You seem to be getting a lot of acclaim everywhere. How are you, as you mentioned, it's only been three weeks. How are you feeling with the record being out and finally having these songs out in the public? Yeah, it's been... um a really beautiful sense of release. I think there's a lot of uh, build up over the past, you know, 10 years of writing those songs and then three years of uh, sitting on the recordings since we were in studio because we, you know, we just put them in a Dropbox and then didn't do anything for a while. So there's definitely a long um, build up that I'm quite glad to be on the other end of and to just have this project and this chapter closed and, a sense of freedom that that brings is really lovely. Um, but that's just my little internal journey. I think in terms of, of reception and like having people listen to it, which is just such a strange, beautiful thing. It's been really nice to suddenly be getting people's opinions on, on what those songs mean and what I talk like their interpretation of what I talk about and what I am and what I stand for and whatever, which, obviously is not always correct and doesn't always match my knowledge of the truth of that, but is such a magical exchange in terms of hearing people's perceptions and where it sits with them and where it lands in their bodies and in their lives. And um, I've found that really moving and exciting to just be able to experience music in this communal uh, exchange of meaning, which is just, so cool. <laughs> 100%. I think it's um, one of the more interesting things when I am talking to artists, I guess, listening to the way that songs have been interpreted by fans and by people and mm. sometimes that they m- might reveal something that you weren't even aware of that now looking back it's there and then sometimes that people are so far off the money that that cannot be further from the truth. <laughs> have you had... Any any that's kind of stood out, obviously we're not going to dox anyone or give away any personal names, but has there been an interpretation that someone's come up to you so far with and you've just been thinking that could not be further from, from the original intent of the song? Yeah, nothing like wildly drastic, but there's a few <laughs> songs where there's one on the album called Calling Out, um, which is a song I kind of wrote about bird watching. And I don't really mention bird watching specifically in that song, but I was writing it about the sense of being in these forests and desperate to see the bird and to name the bird and to like have this visual connection with the bird, but only ever hearing it and only ever being able to notice the sound and then have to trust that the bird was there and trust that that presence was alive and that, everybody is alive and nature is alive around me, even if I can't see it and name it all the time. Um, But when I wrote that song, I just sort of let 
that feeling evolve. And I just listed random things that that feeling was attached to in me, um, missing people, trying to let go of things, trying to bridge distances, just lots of whatever. And it didn't have a sort of narrative arc for me. It was just like throwing paint at the walls and see what sticks. But someone wrote a very specific review the other day about what that song was about. And it they'd crafted an entire story out of like me meeting somebody falling in love with them as a friend, having to end the friendship, having to then process the end of this friendship in this specific way. And I was just like, I don't, firstly, I don't have any friends, but um, secondly, absolutely not. That's not what it's about, but it's so great that those feelings clearly evoked for them a sense of losing friendship and a sense of um, having to process grief of someone intimate. I don't know. It was just, it was just cool to see how that landed very far away from my bird washing nerdery. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is the power of music. It's the fact that it can open or unlock something in someone else that you've never even met that they weren't aware of or that you weren't aware of, but it is, it's one of those little lovely mysteries, if you will. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> the um the record as well as bird watching does touch on uh, a kind of a range of subjects there's um i, I do believe that there there's different facets of relationships whether that might be the good aspect uh the the interesting aspect or the what am i doing aspect um i know that it touches on border security uh it touches on uh, capitalism uh, touches on a few different bits and pieces and I'm curious when you sit down to write and compose and create do you ever know what this song is going to be fully or what it's about when you set out to write it or is it something that reveals itself as you're kind of midway through that process good question um, I think it happens both ways for me sometimes I am aware that there is something that I'm not getting to the bottom of intellectually or in my processing of a difficult thing or whatever. And I am lucky to know that singing about it and letting that sort of musical process happen often helps me express to myself the true feeling um, and helps me get to the the end of it. So I often go in with like a question to myself of why, like, why is this thing fucking you up or why, what, what exactly is the point you're trying to make? And then I let the song sort of tell me the answer to that question. Um, so that is sort of going in with an agenda, but I also am fascinated by how the brain creates a narrative out of randomness. So sometimes I go in with like very obscure thoughts of, of themes or images I'd like to explore. Um, a recent song I wrote, which is not on the album, which is not helpful to this interview, but hey, <laughs> uh, I had these words of like uh, ostriches and church pews and sound engineering, or I, I had this sort of word cloud of, things that my brain was just giving to me, but I had no sort of 
cognitive link between them. And then I sang for maybe three hours and just let those thoughts sort of fall into the page. And I ended up processing an incredibly traumatic event that had happened at church when I was a teenager in South Africa, which is uh, the home of ostriches. And like the bird had very little to do with the church event and the sound engineer was just a sort of person in the periphery, but it was like my brain had connected those dots to help me process something that was incredibly repressed inside me. And I hadn't gone in wanting to even think about that thing or that trauma. So sometimes I just let the pieces fall and they they seem to always fall in a place that has meaning, maybe because we're just obsessed or I'm obsessed with creating meaning and and figuring things out. So my brain is just like, well, I don't know what you've given me, but we're gonna have to <laughs> we're gonna have to work with it and um process something. So here it is. So I love both approaches and I find both very moving and um uh, productive in terms of creating little songs. I, I find that fascinating and I kind of uh, love that, one, that the brain is such an amazing way in how it works, but that's kind of that somewhere in, in you that was telling you these things need to be addressed, spoken about, whatever, and that it's come out in the music. So whenever that track does come out, as you mentioned, not on this album, but I look forward to, uh, to any future release that does include that track. Thanks, Simon. <laughs> um, the... The music on this, uh, sorry, the, the lyrics on this record are absolutely incredible. I think it is um, one of the the many brilliant talents of yourself. It's so incredibly dense. And I know that we just spoke about kind of where these songs come from. I'm curious when you realised that you wanted to be a lyricist and a songwriter. I think doing in, if I've done my research correctly, you started playing piano around four or five and um yeah curious where songwriting or poetry as you mentioned before kind of came into it yeah and I think that's probably important to note is that I think I've always been a writer before being a songwriter I I mean my day job is as a writer and I I've always wanted to be a poet and I probably wanted to publish writing before I ever wanted to be a musician that hasn't happened really yet, but um, I think from a very young age I was obsessed with language and with words and I was writing poems for my school teachers maybe like year two or year one. My mum has a little stack of poems. The one is just like uh, pink flamingos flying high lighting up the bright blue sky and then I wrote it again as a spoonerism so it said pink flamingos um, highing fly, you know what I mean? Like just swapped yeah. all the letters around and I thought that was fucking hilarious as a <laughs> seven-year-old. But um, I was just obsessed with how words could take shape and, and what they could, you know, elicit for people. And I studied linguistics at uni and I grew up in this incredibly multilingual world um, within my family and within my friendship groups and just society in general. So I think yeah, language has been the basis of how I process and express the sur- my surroundings and poetry for me has been the most succinct, direct way of uh, getting to the bottom of those stories and emotions. And um, I'm always evolving in how I write it, but I 
am just always in awe of how other people, you know, do it. And I, I could read poetry back to front all day. I think it's an incredibly uh, mystical, special tool. I would 100% agree with that. I think that there is, music is incredible and lovely and lyrics sometimes can be repetitive, sometimes can be what, I guess they can be whatever the artist wants them to be, but there is power in some incredibly literary based songs or whatever you kind of want to refer to. There is a magic in them, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, There is one kind of, uh, if we're going with the magic aspect of it, there is one kind of magic power I feel that you have. Which I'd love to discuss, which is uh, there does appear to be a you do appear to have a sense of humor within these songs, whether it be more self-effacing than than kind of jokey, whatever it may be. Um, I, I'd love to know how you balance the kind of dark humor that you have in the songs without making it to we're not writing novelty songs, we're not <laughs> you're not the next weird Al Yankovic, whatever it may be. Yeah. Where is that line when you're trying to inject that little bit of, I guess, personality into the songs? Yeah, I wish I knew the answer to that question, but I guess that's part of the magic of it. I think it's my personality and um, people come to my shows and often leave the shows saying, are you a stand-up comedian in your spare time? And I'm like, <laughs> I was not trying to be funny. I was just trying to tell you all my sad stories and somehow you laughed at me. But I think it's just because. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm okay with being awkward and I'm okay with being completely who I am, which is a privilege, I think, and something I've worked really hard on. And the more in tune with myself I am and the more okay I am with people thinking I'm losing my mind um the lighter that touch is for me and I'm allowed to process these really fucked up things with a smile because that that is how I am feeling and it is the only way I know how to hold those traumas or hold those just confusing things inside me is to maybe have a little toxic coping mechanism of laughing them off gently at the end of the sentence and just being like, this is okay. This is part of the human condition and the process that we all go through. Um, so I'm not trying to be funny, which I guess is why it doesn't come across as a novelty comedy song. Thank God. Um, I'm just trying to express quite honestly, the ridiculous, absurd thing that's going on inside me. Uh, and I think people, are relieved by that 
uh, amidst processing big feelings. So it it is a, it comes across as witty and humorous because it's a sort of light amongst all the um, shade, which is magic. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with that. I think it, it's almost like a little bit of a um, a comfort thing in a way, both for the um, both for the listener and for yourself. We know that although the song might be serious, that you're okay. That yeah. it's not all fully serious, and that they're okay as well. It is like a little kind of blanket, if you will. Um, which that was a terrible segue, so I apologise. <laughs> I wanted to be a um, a little bit selfish and ask about um, one of my favourite tracks on the record and kind of where the catalyst of that came from and and where it began. It is the 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 opening track of the record. I forgot to be profound today. There is something about that track that I just um, it, it's a bold way to start a record, but I absolutely love it. And I was just wondering, yeah, whether you would be okay to talk about um, that track. Absolutely. I mean, it's in the title, I guess. I was feeling a lot of, uh, I always feel a lot of pressure to be uh, profound or eloquent or concise and interesting every day, especially because my job is as a writer and as a creative and literally I'm being paid to output creative profound words every day. But also I was noticing in, in, that, that extending into my relationships and the people closest to me, me feeling like I wasn't profound enough or interesting enough to be of worth, um, which is a strange symptom, I guess, of just having this pressure put on you every day to be good and to be uh, present and functional in this strange society. And I was just exhausted by it. Um so that song was me sort of trying to, I guess, forgive myself for not being very interesting all the time and uh, acknowledge that it's impossible and hilarious that I thought I could ever do that, um, but also critique potentially the system that weighs us down in that way and and the blanket that sort of, I don't know, the blanket for me is two things. It's a sense that we all need to come together and sort of warm ourselves up as a society and not be so cold and and pressured and dysfunctional but also this just the sense of weight weighing on us as people and as individuals and as workers and as anything um and yeah just releasing myself from the thought that I had to be singing in tune every day showing up with a smile on my face. Um, I don't need to do that because it's impossible. And we, in, in, in releasing that from me, I think other people get to release that from them too. And then we can all just engage as animals and humans and <laughs> not little robots conditioned to be interesting every day. I love that. And I think that yeah, there is, maybe that's what I really liked about it. There was comfort in, I guess, just allowing to exist and not have to try and, as mentioned, be profound. So, yeah, thank you very much for um, indulging me <laughs> with that one. <laughs> you yourself, you only recently 
within the last six years or so relocated to Melbourne, as you mentioned before, originally from Johannesburg. What was it about Australia and Melbourne that kind of attracted you to 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 come over here and, and play music here? I think there were a few things. Um, the musicians I respected came from here at the time, so Missy Higgins and Kate Miller-Heidke, uh, my father loved them and used to just play me little bootleg YouTube clips he'd found. And we didn't really know who they were, but it was just kind of like, oh, these people are playing piano-y, lyrical masterpieces and they're funny and they're interesting and maybe that's where I could make the things that I want to make. So a sense of, yeah, following in people's footsteps but also just learning about how many venues there were and how, you know, functional the cities were to live in and to to explore alone this strange world of live music and playing and just wanting to be challenged and go out every night and see someone else. And uh, I just hadn't grown up in that kind of environment. There were just, there wasn't, I didn't do a lot of watching and a lot of listening. So, uh a bit of that. And then also I just kind of Googled nature and what it would look like and what it would feel like and what birds are here and was just <laughs> astonished at like the fact that more than 90% of the species in this country are endemic to this land. Like they don't exist anywhere else in the world. And if you want to experience them and meet them and be part of this community, you've got to be here so I just was like well maybe I'll come on an adventure but then I never left so I can't exactly explain why I never left but um <laughs> I just felt yeah I felt held by this place and that, that is a great privilege a lot of people do not get to feel held by any place including this one and um yeah I felt able to just walk out into the bush on my own and come back and write a song and sing it the next day and that is a strange lucky thing that a lot of people a lot of places don't offer so I think that's why I why I landed here in the end that's absolutely beautiful I am um, if if and I know it's always such a difficult kind of thing to ask if if I was to say is there a particular Missy Higgins track or album that you would put forward as your favorite is is it something you'd be able to answer or have I unfairly asked that? <laughs> no, no, I think it is, it's obviously unfair, but uh, I remember <laughs> falling in love with her via um, The Sound of White, which is that piano song about grief, mm -hmm. I guess, and uh, it was also via a live version of it, so it was just watching her play it as well that made me just be like, oh, yeah, this is honesty and it's, beautiful and it makes me feel things so that song for me will always be how I picture her but everything's great that is a classic choice I think you've done an <laughs> excellent job in picking that track um you are taking the the record out on an east coast tour I believe starting if I look at the time and date next week um and then across uh, October I think you're going to Queensland, Victoria, New South Wales, a little bit of back and forth. How yep. are you feeling about those shows? I'm really excited. Um, I have a really beautiful band uh, and people playing with me, which is 
so special because it feels like we're having fun and we're doing it as a community and it's not just a scary uh, solo thing. Um, so there's a sense of actually just wanting to hang out and, and be on the road together, which is nice. But also um, I guess these songs are quite old for me now. I know they've only just come out, but it's taken me that playing them live again has helped me reconnect with them. And I'm quite excited to play them on this tour and, and respect them for what they are and sort of be back in that, um, yeah, that little bubble of that album in a really beautiful new way, uh, and just appreciate it all for what it is. So I'm, yeah, I feel really lucky that we get to do this in between jobs. Uh, most of the gigs are on weekends to accommodate my very, uh, busy schedule, but it'll be (laughs) a beautiful two months of, uh, popping out into the world. I know that there's a lot of people excited to see you on the road. A number of people um, have been flagging the, the gigs to us here, even though we're, we're based in Adelaide and I know that there's currently not an Adelaide date, but um, I know that some friends in the East Coast have been flagging it, so I know that there's a lot of excitement around those. Um, one thing you just mentioned a second ago, you obviously have been living with these songs for a while and now getting back to them, have you found that any, now that you're revisiting, prepping for tour, getting tour ready, that um, I guess has any song changed its meaning or taken on a different kind of form with that time or that hindsight away from it? Yeah, there's one song in particular that comes to mind called Borderlines, which I originally wrote about being on a bridging visa. And uh, when you're on a bridging visa here, you're not allowed to travel unless they approve your dates. So I was trying to go home back to South Africa because my grandmother had died and I couldn't, I wouldn't be allowed to get back in because it was on the brink of them making a decision or whatever. So I just didn't, I wasn't allowed to travel. And there's this, just this sense of being in between and being not having a home and not having a place to, um, yeah. And it was, years on that bridging visa for me and for obviously for some people so much longer. So I wrote that song about that bureaucratic nonsense, but then over the course of um, the pandemic, none of us were allowed to move and none of us were allowed to travel to see the people we loved or the places that had raised us. And I in particular, you know, couldn't leave Australia no matter what happened to my family, if I ever wanted to come back because they'd put a stop on temporary visa holders coming back in and stuff. So that song just suddenly became this like deeply relevant and uh, alive version of itself during the pandemic. And now when I sing it, I don't particularly think back to early stages of immigration. I think back to still the difficulty of, of this time and, and being away from people during all of this trauma and not being able to help your parents when things were going wrong and not being able to, you know. So, yeah, it's amazing that a song can retain such truth even in completely different circumstances. As we were discussing earlier, it's almost like it kind of takes on something else for that other person or that other whatever it may be. And obviously with this one it's kind of, 
gone from a, applicable to yourself and a, and a handful of people to quite a lot of people. So I imagine there's a lot of people connecting with that track as well. Yeah. Um, Ruby, usually we would ask our guests what they're currently listening to. Um, is there anything at the moment that for yourself is currently on high rotation? Um, I've just discovered Katie Kirby. Uh, I couldn't actually tell you where they're from, but it's a green album <laughs> cover and uh, I just love how clever it is. There's such interesting production and beautiful lyrics. There's a song about holding someone on your tongue like a peppermint. It's called Peppermint and it's it's just this sense of like gently holding someone um, or a thought or something. Anyway, just really smart and clever and makes me kind of dance in the shower, which is nice. It's got it's got everything an album could ever want. <laughs> that sounds like a fantastic choice. I would definitely check that out and yeah. I'll put it in the podcast show notes along with where people can find your record to buy and the tickets for the tour that is happening next week, as we mentioned. Um, awesome. Ruby, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Congratulations again on I'm Gonna Die With This Frown On My Face. Um, but yes, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Simon. Thanks for having me. And that's our show. A massive thank you to Ruby Gill for her time. I'm Gonna Die With This Frown On My Face is out now and we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to buy the vinyl or see her on tour. We also want to give a huge shout out to Elise at Anthologies for helping out with today's interview. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Wednesday and Friday morning and we now have a Patreon, which you can find within the show notes of this episode. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. Until next week, cheers. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.